You know, despite the way he's played these last two games, the most famous NFL draft analyst actually still has Tyler Van Dyke projected to be a first-round pick. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes, even on a weekend and even coming out of the bye week, your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So I know some of you were already like, what is this guy talking about? When I said that someone out there still has Tyler Van Dyke projected to be a first-round pick, despite how blah he was against Texas A&M and how rough of a game he had against Middle Tennessee where he actually got benched. Now, I put out a Twitter poll yesterday on Locked on Canes. Uh, will Tyler Van Dyke be a first-round draft pick? And whew, Almost 90% of you said no. TVD is not going to be a first-round pick. Just 11.1% said he will be. Let's just think about how much the perception has changed over a span of a month okay because coming out of last year where tvd was positively brilliant the final six games of the season van dyke had of course we all know the stats by now at least 300 yards and at least three touchdown passes uh, acc rookie of the year had 25 tds to just six interceptions last year uh you know we have a complete change in the offense this season he lost his top two receivers from last year. Two weeks in, he loses his top receiver from this year, and things have gone sour. And I don't mean to list out those excuses or reasons as if to say I'm giving Van Dyke a pass because Van Dyke absolutely needs to do better. But you see the perception from the people there is 88.9% of you think, no, Van Dyke is not going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And I enjoyed reading some of the comments to that tweet because we had a comment that kind of went along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here. Wow. Anyone who voted yes on this needs to be drug tested. Well, you know who actually does think despite what's happening out there, who does think Tyler Van Dyke is still going to be a first round draft pick Mel Kuyper jr. So those who are watching on the video, you can see this. Those listening, I'm going to describe it for you. So Mel Kuyper tweets out on September 28th, which was after the Middle Tennessee game. Now, somebody did tell me, for what it's worth, that apparently he made this list before the Middle Tennessee game happened, like before that college football weekend. But he did tweet this out afterwards. So maybe, I don't know, he could have taken the time to maybe give it another look or revise it if necessary. But so uh, let me scroll down so you could actually see where TVD ranks. But this is Mel Kuyper tweeted this out on September 28th. My early season quarterback rankings for the 2023 draft. And he also, I feel like this is a conversation for another day. His comp for Will Levis is Matthew Stafford, but he's got... Top quarterback uh, draft eligible, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Will Levis from Kentucky, Bryce Young from Alabama, Anthony Richardson from Florida, and then Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. That's, that's a very, very interesting numbers four and numbers five on there. And guys, despite the fact that Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, maybe Mel Kuyper probably doesn't watch Miami games as closely as we do. 
Uh, but Tyler Van Dyke, he's looked lost in this offense. Um, I definitely don't blame it all on him because, again, wide receivers are not creating separation and the play calling has looked uninspired and it's a completely different offense from the one that he ran last year. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he's missing wide open throws and he's staring down receivers. So it is a little bit troubling. And despite all that, not only does Mel Kuyper have Tyler as his fifth ranked draft eligible quarterback, but he does, for those wondering, project him to be the 21st overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Right there, that goes to tell you, it's probably going to be a pretty quarterback-heavy draft in Kuyper's eyes if the fifth guy at that position could be taken 21st overall. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a good illustration of the idea that, you know, folks out there who are maybe not as close to the struggles as we are, because we live and breathe every single minute and every single play and every single throw that Tyler Van Dyke makes. And we're just so down right now on the quarterbacking and also seeing Garcia looking better in the same offense that Tyler is not looking so good at. It definitely clouds our judgment a little bit. But I think for Van Dyke, a lot of the tangibles haven't changed. And maybe this gives me some hope that, and I'm assuming Tyler's going to be the starter this coming Saturday against North Carolina. We are yet to hear otherwise. So I'm assuming Tyler Van Dyke is going to get another try to be the starting quarterback for this team. Uh, maybe the fact that there are draft analysts out there that are still high on Tyler's tangibles being his arm strength, especially because he is capable of making NFL caliber throws that a lot of college quarterbacks aren't like there's a reason why most college quarterbacks don't end up becoming NFL starters because they just don't have that physical ability nor the size to go with it, which Tyler also does have decent NFL size as well, that those measurables haven't gone away yet. And maybe that gives us some hope that Van Dyke, especially during an extended break, the bye week is able to figure some of this stuff out. Okay. And yeah, we would love to see him return to the form that he was in. Can he do it in a completely different offense with, um, you know, a wide receiving group that is not only just doesn't have the sort of leadership that they had last year with Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley, who was like a 20th year senior, but they also have been ravaged by injury as well because Xavier Restrepo was looking really good. He got hurt. Jacoby George came back, was looking pretty, pretty good. And then he gets hurt. Uh, I loved what Keyshawn Smith did last week, by the way. When I dog Miami's receivers, I don't want you guys to think I'm calling out every single individual. I'm dogging the entire unit as a whole. But Keyshawn Smith against Middle Tennessee, that was the brightest bright spot and one of the few bright, spot, bright spots in that performance for Miami. So here are some of the responses that you guys gave us on Twitter uh, when I asked, will Tyler Van Dyke be a first-round pick? Robert says... If he wins out and ends the season like he did last year, absolutely. And yeah, I know a lot of Hurricanes fans, especially like you watched North Carolina on Saturday night, just scoring points for fun against Virginia Tech. Like, how are we going to beat this team? Like you watch everybody play. It's like, how can we beat any of these teams? Like, you know, um, you, you got to hope that Miami can, can find their physicality again because they lost that against Middle Tennessee. I think if they're able to play as physical up front, as they did against Texas A&M, there, there's a chance Miami can get some big wins and find themselves. I don't expect them necessarily to win out. I'm also not ruling it out. Now, remember, my preseason prediction was 10-2 and two this year. So, 
We're still alive, baby. We are still alive for a 10 and 2. Ken Helm says, I think Miami gets this thing turned around. Van Dyke has the goods. Him and the team just need to execute. They certainly do need to execute, Helm. Uh, Mr. T says, he's definitely a walking pick. <laughs> SMH. So he's not a first-round pick. He's a walking pick, according to Mr. T. Our guy Chill, who's always on point, says, you haven't seen enough? He's a bottom-tier struggler, Chill says about TV. Chill has no chill. Uh, booze should rain down. This season sucks, he said in all capital letters. I just want to win for Chill. Win one for Chill. I just want Chill to be happy. Chill is not happy after losses. Number one Canes fan writes, the receivers are getting open. If TBD can shake the nerves and expectations, we could get it moving, he says. Um, 561 Canes fan writes, he's got a rocket arm and the typical size but lacks quarterback traits like being a loud vocal leader and looking off safeties. That's a good point. He just stares his guy down and holds the ball too long. So you got to wonder, like, um, again, I think Van Dyke is going to start against North Carolina. If he doesn't play well, though, to start that game, he could get yanked. I think there's going to be a short leash, right? I think that uh, this coaching staff proved against MTSU that they, you know, it may have taken them even a little bit too long to make the switch, but that they are not going to hesitate too much to make a quarterback change if TVD isn't on against North Carolina. And I hope knowing that, because TVD is aware of that, I hope knowing that motivates him as he spent this time during the bye week trying to sharpen his mechanics and going back to some of the little things. And hopefully Tyler goes out there and responds positively to all the negativity and puts on the type of performance that we got accustomed to seeing a season ago. Guys, um, another reason why we should have a little bit of hope and a little bit of patience, because, you know, I always like to try and give you the positives, right? You can live in a world of negativity where nothing is ever going to get better. We try to live in a world of constructive positivity. Uh, I've got a pretty interesting um, stat on former Miami coaches and the single most interesting stat I have found when studying Miami's offense this year. We will get to that and so much more right after we talk about the awesome people at LinkedIn Jobs. Guys, I have gotten jobs as an employee through LinkedIn Jobs before. And if you're a small business owner, you can find the right candidates, guys. You need the right people to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find all the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's a lot of people. Then you add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, this is... Um, 
you know, this is a, a stat that was one of the most interesting things that I came up with when I was studying Miami's offense this year compared to Miami's offense last year. Now, I'm not saying I think Josh Gaddis is doing a fantastic job. That's not what I'm saying. Now, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, you kind of have to throw the MTSU game out to fit my argument, but I do appreciate that overall this year, the rushing offense has looked considerably better. And for the first three games, the offensive line has looked better and more physical, especially from a run blocking standpoint, which is an area that they were pretty poor in last year. They become much better run blockers. Um, so here's a stat that honestly, it gives me hope that Miami's offense can find a spark and actually start to, you know, the red zone is a big need, of course. But from Miami's total offensive standpoint, um, if we can figure out how to get the passing game going just a little bit, Miami's offense can end up being more productive. Maybe not more dynamic, but more productive than they were a year ago. This is a crazy stat, okay? Now, just to talk about the differences in rushing from this year to last year, okay? So far this season... Miami is rushing for 178 and a half yards per game. Last season, they rushed for 127 and a half yards per game. Now, this is kind of a flawed sample because we're talking about 12 games from last year versus four games from this year, but bear with me, okay? And again, these stats give me room for hope that things are going to get better. Okay, so 178 and a half rushing yards this year compared to 127 and a half from last year. Uh, now, the passing game, of course, much better last year. So this season, Miami is passing for an average of 270.3 yards per game. Last year, they were passing for 321 yards per game. Now, I found when you talk about passing, rushing, total offense, right, what those numbers add up to, I found that stat to be positively freaky when you do the math here, okay? Okay. So Miami's running offense is averaging 51 more yards this season than they were last season. And the passing game was averaging 51 more yards last season than this season. That is symmetry being downright creepy. So Miami has the exact same total number of yards per game this year as they had last year. Hold on, I wrote that. It's 448, okay? I knew I had that number written down because, again, I don't have the sort of math skills to do that in my head. I used a calculator for all of this, guys. Oof, thank goodness for calculators. So how weird is that, that Miami's offense in 2021 averaged 448 total yards per game. Miami's offense this year is averaging exactly 448 total yards per game, 51 more rushing yards per game. 51 fewer passing yards per game. Now, obviously, that specific stat doesn't take into account red zone, which very much relies on play calling and on, I think, just more creativity with the routes that the receivers are running to get people open in the end zone. Uh, but if you just go by total yards, doesn't that give you a lot of hope that despite the fact that Miami's offense has looked pretty hapless this year, uh, if you can get some semblance of a passing game going, you could end up being on the sort of track from productivity as you were a season ago. So I find it positively freaky. I don't know if you call this a statistical anomaly, but Miami so far this year averaging the exact same number of total yards than they were a year ago. Now, 
you do have, of course, like the Bethune-Cookman game, maybe throwing that average off a little bit. But still, I found that staff to be that stat to be positively freaky. Now, here's one where uh, this is like a, a fireside chat, okay? Because again, we always preach patience with coaching. And most of you buy into that, I think. I get, you know, we hear from some folks sometimes who are already like, you know what? Mario ain't it. Made this terrible mistake giving this guy a 10-year deal. Uh, you know, Josh Gaddis, uh, he's, he's not qualified whatsoever to be coached. Like some of you have already thrown in the towel. I think some of you who maybe don't understand the way that like contracts work or like, oh, let's just fire everybody now and hire somebody else. I think you guys are in the minority. I think most of us either understand we have no choice but to be patient or in my case, I'm going to give this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt that they can fix the problem, some of which they've created for themselves. But when you pay this much to coaches and when you have a staff with people like Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal and Charlie Strong and Frank Ponce and Kevin Steele, that these coaches, Jason Taylor is an analyst. I trust that these coaches are going to find a way to fix some of these problems that they've created for themselves. Okay. And obviously two and two start to the year. We don't know how Miami's going to finish. Is Miami going to have a dynamic turnaround and just run rough shot through the ACC schedule? Or is Miami going to struggle through the ACC schedule? All we know right now is two and two start. We're off to some growing pains. Okay. Um, here are uh, the records for Howard Schnellenberger. And obviously Howard Schnellenberger, he, he put the U on the map. Okay. He made Miami football a national powerhouse. Now, in the the four years before Howard Schnellenberger took over, because he didn't exactly inherit a powerhouse program, you know, 1975, the Canes were two and eight. Woof. 1976, three and eight. Improving, right? Uh, 1977, three and eight. 1978, six and five. Then Schnellenberger takes over in Howard Schnellenberger's first year. This is a guy who, within five seasons, was able to turn Miami into a national championship team within five seasons, was able to do that. Can you imagine if one season into Schnellenberger's tenure down here, people were like flying banner planes and like, oh, get rid of this guy. He stinks. Schnell, why can't he turn us into a champion immediately? First year of Schnellenberger, 79, Miami was five and six. Second year, nine and three. Third year, nine and two. Fourth year in 1982, seven and four. I'm surprised they weren't calling for his job. And then 1983, of course, 11 and one national championship, first of five national titles for Miami. Uh, and listen, just for reference, I'm preaching patience here, guys, because a first season, especially the first month of a first season, should not define any coaching staff. You have to give these guys time to fix issues, some of which they inherited. And also, you have to give them literally years to get their recruits on the field, okay? Jimmy Johnson's first year at Miami, 8-5, and five, his first season at the U. No, they didn't – and that was a really tough schedule that year, uh, Jimmy's first year. What was that, 84? Um, they didn't lose to anyone like Middle Tennessee that year. I get that. But they did lose a home game to Maryland, for example, that they were not supposed to lose to. Uh, and Miami lost four out of the seven games they played against ranked opponents in Jimmy's first year. So even in Jimmy Johnson's first year, the team was eight and five. And then he ends up winning the 87 national championship a couple of years later. So 
I think these are just some stats to remind folks that we do have to be a little bit patient when we talk about this stuff. And all right, we're going to talk about what's coming up this week on Locked on Canes because we're going to be pretty darn loaded this week, guys. Finally, finally, it is game week again. Oh, and speaking of game week, we did pretty well on our picks uh, for this coming weekend. Uh, I think we definitely hit the nail on the head with the Florida State game, that Florida State, now the line shrunk considerably before the game actually kicked off. I think it ended up being Florida State minus five and a half. But we told you when it was Florida State minus seven, we told you that's nuts, that they had, even at home, they had no business being a full touchdown favorite over Wake Forest. Not only did Wake Forest cover... Wake Forest won the game outright. Now, I'm not talking trash because as a Miami fan, I have no room to talk trash to Florida State fans. I'm just telling you, we were right in saying that Florida State was too big of a favorite. Uh, but guys, make sure you're getting these numbers and this research and this information at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info all season long. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can possibly find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So the Hurricanes, as we saw reinforced last night when North Carolina just beat up Virginia Tech, um, we've got to see a much better version of Miami's defense than the one that we saw go up against Middle Tennessee. And, you know, I – they usually say this, right? You don't, you shouldn't judge a team on strictly on their best day or on their worst day, okay? So I'm not going to judge Miami's defense on by far their worst day where they looked unprepared and just physically outmanned against a Conference USA team, and they got cooked repeatedly in the defensive secondary by Middle Tennessee. And I probably shouldn't judge them based on how well – they played, or at least how well they appeared to play the week prior against Texas A&M. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, okay? I do think that there are some young players on Miami's defense that probably deserve a little bit more time than what they're getting. Uh, I think we're all kind of happy, um, satisfied with the way Wesley Besaint is playing at linebacker, maybe see, see him get more time. You know, we also have to hope that you know, the real Corey flag, at least this year's real Corey flag, is closer to the one that played pretty well the first three games versus the one that just didn't look uh, didn't look right in that middle Tennessee game. And even, guys, James Williams. James Williams didn't look right in that middle Tennessee game. He got run over by that running back. Um, I thought Cam Kinchins played really well against middle Tennessee. I think we probably even need to see more of Leonard Taylor than we're seeing because Leonard Taylor, if, um, you know, I've got to think, like, I think there's a few guys like on Miami's defense and, and let me know how you feel about this in the comments. Uh, you know, uh, leave us a tweet at locked on canes, or you can leave us a comment on our YouTube channel or leave us a podcast review guys. If you leave us a review on Apple podcasts, like I love seeing those by the way. And 
every time we get a five-star review and someone says something nice about the show, I'm like, yes, go you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, like, you know, th- there's, there's a few players, I think, on Miami that you have to kind of like game plan for. Um, you know, I would imagine Leonard Taylor is probably the first guy on that list. And then usually James Williams or and or Cam Kinchins are probably the next names on that list. Maybe Mesador can become one of those guys because he's had some really bright spots this year. Uh, but, you know, definitely there's, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, certain you could say the opposite because there are certain players in Miami secondary. I think you all know who we're talking about that opposing teams will say, well, we need to pick on this guy in coverage, right? Like we want to try and scheme around players like Leonard Taylor and Cam Kinchins and James Williams. But here's a guy we may want to try and pick on as much as possible. So yeah, Miami's defense is going to have a huge, huge task this coming week because, you know, if you're not careful, uh, North Carolina can put up 500 plus yards on you and, you know, I don't I don't think you can completely stop them. I think the key is going to be um, just make some plays, bend but don't break, and try and force a couple of turnovers, right? Because I think it's, it's going to have to be somewhat of a shootout. Does that make you feel good, though, knowing that Miami's offense, which has struggled to score points in the red zone, which is when you're supposed to be scoring touchdowns and scoring points, Miami has struggled to execute there. But you're I think you're going to have to score – probably at least in the 30s to win this game if I'm being real here um so you know not only do you want to because Miami's not going to go away from their identity like Miami's not going to say let's just be Rhett Lashley again and let's just spread them out and throw to set up the run no they're going to try to run to set up the pass and as long as and again by week hopefully everybody's healthy as possible in the running backfield because Henry Parrish was dealing with a minor injury Jalen Knighton has been dealing with injuries throughout the season so far this year. If Thad Franklin is your only scholarship back, that's just not going to be enough. For as much as I like Thad, you're going to need a really full stable, right? Because if it's like Thad, Lucius Stanley, and Devon Perry, I don't think you're going to be able to get the running game going enough. We need it to be Rooster, Parrish, and Thad. We need to be the holy trinity, those guys to be the trinity in that backfield. Um, and obviously we need the offensive line to kind of return to the success that they had the first few weeks. And yeah, when Miami is in situations where they're going to throw and going to need to throw and going to need to pick up big first downs and big yardage, we need Tyler Van Dyke to build some connection with his receivers. I would kindly request maybe we don't rotate the receivers as much as we have because a lot of these guys just aren't cutting it out there. Narrow that rotation down a little bit, right, and and make sure – Keyshawn Smith is pretty heavily featured. I want to see more Jaleel Skinner. I don't care where you line him up. I want to see more Jaleel Skinner. He was robbed of a touchdown last week. His foot was not out of bounds. He should have had his first career touchdown. Uh, And Frank Ladson is starting to step up and make plays. You know, I'm I'm frustrated, you know, with uh, and I feel frustrated on his behalf for Michael Redding because he was doing some good things the first few games. And then he had a, a pretty rough outing with drops last week and you know Brashard Smith I think Brashard Smith is is capable of doing better so let, let's try and keep you know maybe a, a thinner rotation of these receivers and just try to build some rhythm and with some chemistry uh, build some chemistry with some of these guys so yeah you know we'll be talking all week about the UNC matchup we're gonna have a crossover episode on Thursday with Isaac Shade who does locked on Tar Heels 
So, ooh, we're going to have a spirited conversation, Isaac and I, later on this week. So make sure you guys keep it locked right here. Thank you for making us your first listen. Make Locked on ACC your second listen. Candace Cooper and the local experts. I'm one of them. I join her every Thursday. Take you around the ACC five days a week in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for making us your first listen. We'll talk to you guys again Monday on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.